This is the Satanic Panic, a podcast where we discuss the events and cultural shifts that morphed into a modern-day witch hunt. On the previous episode of the Satanic Panic, we talked about how therapy fads led to an uptick in the diagnosis of MPD. Today, we're discussing how therapists unintentionally implanted false memories in their patients and created lasting waves across the nation. We're your hosts, Hannah and Cameron, and listener discretion is advised. My next guest was you. Satanism, the seduction of America's youth. The remains of mutilated. I was so brainwashed. The sign of the devil. The Church of Satan. In the devil's name. Those with devil worship and satanic beliefs. Babies that were babies would be sacrificed. Now, the first family of Satanism. Okay. All right. You guys are lucky that this is a podcast and not person to person. We smell like onions. We just had some falafels, and boy, is the breath rank in here. <laughs> Coffee and falafel. Mm. smells so good right Cough now. Falafels. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say kerflush? Kerflush. <laughs> kerflush. <laughs> okay, so this week we're going to be talking to you about Michelle Remembers and the implantation of false memories by people, into yeah. people. And this ties into the multiple personality from our previous two-part episode. Mm -hmm. This is the next step in the cycle. So it goes MPD, multiple personality disorder, to... False memory syndromes, to satanic ritual abuse. So it's kind of just all bleeding into one another. It's a pretty fucked up timeline. Yeah. So if you remember from last week... We were talking about Sybil and how that came out in 1973. Well, in 1980, we get a new book called Michelle Remembers. And Michelle Remembers is really important because Sybil was the first book that ties multiple personality disorder into childhood sexual abuse. And Michelle Remembers is the first book that ties all of those things into satanic ritual abuse. So they are the first ones to add Satan into the mix. Mm-hmm. It, it actually coined the term ritual abuse yeah. in Michelle Remembers. Mm-hmm. So that book is really, really interesting. It is written by a woman named Michelle Smith and her therapist, Lawrence Pazder. And they are like located in Canada. And oh, no. when they got together as therapist and... Therapist. <laughs> therapist. <laughs> he was quite a bit older they were both married she had actually seen him with her husband a few times and she went into him solo because she was feeling depressed from a miscarriage she had had so she goes back into her trustworthy doctor he had been married for quite a few years he had four kids with his wife his first wife I only mention that because after all of this whole debacle, they ended up getting married. Michelle Smith and Lawrence Pazder. Yeah, which feels like a big no-no to me. Yeah, he knows too much about her. Yeah. uh, and he's exploitive. Exactly. And he's quite a bit older and he he probably... Predatory a little bit. Yeah, predatory. That's a great word. So that's why I bring that part up. So she goes to him because she's being treated for a miscarriage. And she says in one of her sessions that she has something to tell him, but she can't quite remember what, which I feel like is something that I do all the time. Yeah. They say that doorways help in in case you're wondering. They say if you go through a doorway, that's what makes you forget or remember. So if you're ever trying to remember something, go back 
through the doorway and that's usually yeah. what and i found what that if that you're in worked. a field you <laughs> there are no doors so shortly after she told him that she had something she couldn't remember they had a session where she quote unquote screamed nonstop and then spoke like a little kid Ew. yeah i have my own thoughts about that last week we talked about the word hysterical uh, I don't know what screaming nonstop in a therapy session really means. People don't do White that people. stuff. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> this was once again a case of a man. She was probably having an anxiety attack and he was like, well, she's screaming. She's hysterical. Yeah. You know, and then that, of course, shortly thereafter. We've all seen a Woody Allen film. <laughs> God, I hate him. <laughs> so... Pazder decides that they need to do intensive memory therapy because of this one little quote where she said she couldn't quite remember something. So he decides that they're going to do this intensive memory therapy and they go over 600 hours for long periods at a time. These weren't like short therapy sessions. These were like hours on hours of therapy. Of course, they were using barbiturates like they do. And they were also using hypnosis. So after all of this time, Michelle remembers the satanic ritual abuse at the hands of her mother. Uh-oh. And once again, I just want to point out that she was in there initially for miscarrying mm-hmm. a child. So I think that it kind of follows suit that what would be dragged out of her would be mother-daughter stuff. From there, they get really, really into this false memory. Well, they didn't call it false memory. They get really into memory recovery. And they start to pull out massive massive memories there was one that we were talking about earlier where it was a an 81 day ritual oh yeah where it was the devil actually appeared in that or actually was surfaced in that the devil came and covered her in scars did all sorts of horrific things Mm -hmm. raped her beat her made her eat babies you know just your typical satanic ritual abuse stuff just your normal tuesday (laughs) and uh then what was it she said that the archangel, archangel michael, michael came down he came down and he removed all of the scars from her body which just seems so convenient to yeah. me <laughs> i mean oh why don't you have scars on your body he, oh you know michael you know. <laughs> he did some tattoo laser removal for yeah. me actually oh you know the art yeah. i call him aa michael archangel <laughs> he's great if you he's don't know him so good at getting rid of your scars yeah. it's it's magical. So that is the basics of what Michelle remembers is. They released the book in 1980 and it is an instant hit, which makes sense because we were, I mean, Sybil, the three faces of Eve, people were just craving this sort of well, content the, at that time. It was time. right around the time that The Exorcist was huge. The too. Exorcist. Yeah. I mean, that was, that sort of supernatural stuff was really making waves or not supernatural, but like multiple personality. Yeah. They sold something like 100,000 copies right off the bat. I recommend flipping through this book if you haven't. First of all, the cover of it is absolutely hysterical. (laughs) It is this like little girl holding a doll surrounded by candles with the face of the devil above her in this like terrifying font. It looks very much like a V.C. Andrews novel. Mm -hmm. Who, If you guys aren't familiar with V.C. Andrews, she does like childhood horror stuff. Flowers in the attic. Flowers in the attic, Petals on the Wind. God, so many of them. What was the one about the little girl in the woods? There was so many. Uh, My Sweet Audrina was my favorite one. (laughs) (laughs) I love that book. But Michelle remembers 
is very much in the style of a V.C. Andrews novel. Mm -hmm. And it is supposed to be a real book about therapy. Mm -hmm. Like, it is not a novel. It's like a scientific, this is what happened. Here we are recounting these therapy sessions. But it's going to read like a V.C. Andrews book. Mm -hmm. And then once you actually open it, true to the whole V.C. Andrews thing, he, Lawrence Pazder, <laughs> loves himself. Oh, and yeah. from the very first page, it is reads like a romance novel. Yeah, like it's trashy, super hot. Yeah, like this is absolutely someone who's just in love with himself and is trying to like throw himself into fame. Let me read you how he describes himself. Sorry. Go I'm ahead. Kidding. Lay it on me, baby. <laughs> I lit some candles. A handsome man in his early 40s. Dr. Pazder was a warm, manly, soft-spoken, what people who live elsewhere consider the typical Westerner. He was life and athletic, a tennis player and a skier, and he had earned a brown belt in judo. <laughs> Nerd. Yeah, I think black belt is what people are I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> His hair was brown, beginning to turn silver. On the midsummer day in 1976, when the receptionist of Fort Royal Medical Center buzzed him to report a call from Dr. John McCracken. There was far less silver than there soon would be. Boing, 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 boing. That's a very loving depiction of yourself. Yeah. The book just, that's literally on the first page. He describes her as a pretty young woman of 27 with a heart-shaped face, a delicate mouth, and bountiful brown curls. She had been vital and bright. Delicate mouth. Right? I know. You're her therapist, dude. (laughs) She had been vital and bright the last time he had seen her, four months before, when she and her husband, Doug, had brought some salmon he'd caught to Dr. Pazder and his wife. So, I mean, also friends, like friends with each other. I don't bring salmon to my doctors. To your gynecologist, (laughs) you do. She gets salmon all the time. (laughs) Gross. Uh, So, I mean, it is just... It's just gross. It's gross to think that this was a practicing therapist. They shopped it as complete truth and yeah and okay so this was important because it was the first tale of a survivor saying this happened to me i remember this validating the fears that people had that there was satanic cults out there because this is uh, 14 years after the satanic church is founded yeah and so people are like looking for that scapegoat the fear is growing and finally michelle smith and Lawrence pastor are like we know what is happening we are going to give a voice to the voiceless, the non-existent voiceless, I should add. Mm. So obviously it just goes crazy. Lawrence Pazder goes so far as to blame the Church of Satan and saying that they themselves had abused Michelle. They're in Canada. <laughs> the Church of Satan is in San Francisco. And he is actually saying that they... Well, because they, at the time, as we talked about in our Satanic Church episode, it's like they were blamed for everything. Everything. I know. It's like Pam's dad all over again. I know. Freaking Pam's dad. Lawrence Pazder later had to redact his claims that Anton LaVey had sexually abused Michelle Smith because Anton LaVey threatened to sue them for libel. Good. Yeah. And so they redacted that, which I feel like if there's... how. It's the best way to show that you're lying. If you're going to get sued for libel and you don't stand behind it, it's libel. Oops. So, yeah, that's the first survivor account. And people just lost their minds. This was endorsed by a licensed therapist. Mm. And 
people are just prone to believe their therapists. You're prone to believe your doctors. Mm-hmm. You're prone to believe your therapists because we tend to believe that these people in positions of power who are educated in ways that we're not know what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, they're right? usually in a place of power because they have a huge ego. Yeah. And a desire to be famous. That's a good point. A lot of these people really, really did. Oh, yeah. Suddenly after this, everyone is recalling these false memories. And they didn't, of course, call them false memories. They're just saying that they're recovering memories that they didn't have. But it's very much false. And that's where we get into this wonderful woman named Elizabeth Loftus. Woo! Yeah, she's really cool. We actually had the pleasure of speaking to her. Uh, about a year ago. Yeah, that was probably about a year. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. <laughs> We've taken our time on this. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a work in progress. Oh. Oh, yeah. So we just pulled up a list, and I mean, I can only read a fraction of these. She's an honorary fellow of the British Psychology Society. She's won In Praise of Reason Award. She's a distinguished contributor. <laughs> contributor? <laughs> She's the <laughs> Distinguished Contribution to Forensic Psychology Award, Distinguished Contribution to Basic and Applied Scientific Psychology Award. Dang. James McKean Cantal Fellow Award for the Association of Psychological Science. Like she's just, that's just a fraction of the ones listed. Yeah, she's the go-to memory doctor. She has changed the way that we interview people in the courts by key witness accounts. She goes into great detail about how memory is molded, how memory is able to be implanted with false memories. Very inception-y. Yeah. She does this great study called the Lost in the Mall study. Oh, yeah. That was one of her big... The Lost in the Mall study, they actually took about, what, 25 people. We contacted their mother or their father or an older relative of theirs. And then we went back to the subject and we said, we've been talking with your mother. Uh, we found out some things that happened to you when you were about five or six years old. And we'd like to see what you can remember about these experiences that your mother told us about. Your mother told us that you were shopping at the at the corner uh, shopping mall on a Saturday one one time and you were by the pet store and all of a sudden you disappeared and you were gone for the longest period of time. And eventually we found you, you were crying and an elderly woman had uh, rescued you and brought you back to the, the main office. Do you remember that experience? And they would start telling us things, uh, details about the, the appearance of the person who rescued them, other, other kinds of details that, uh, that we had never mentioned to them. So, so that showed that they were putting a lot of sensory detail uh, onto this created memory. And it was one of the first, it was in 1990, I believe. It was one of the first studies of implanting memories that was extremely successful. Yeah, 25% is a massive proportion. Yeah. And even though this one study was only 25 people, I think that they have redone this study many times. Yeah. And that was just the first one. And it's... Well, and she was setting off to prove that therapists are implanting memory like the doctor was in Michelle Remembers. How did they do that? Though? Like, how do you implant a memory in someone? So she would go into therapy with an eating disorder or depression or whatever her problem is. And she'd end up with a therapist who says, everyone I've seen with those problems was sexually abused as a child. I wonder if anything like that happened to you. They p- kind of broke it down into three main points. 
you start off with the client's trust. So you would go to somebody like Michelle. She already knew it was a, her husband and her had gone to this doctor before. She knew him. They brought him. She brought him salmon, which, I mean, instantly yeah. connecting. <laughs> so what would happen is that the they would suggest something that might have happened. So if you would go in and be like, oh, I just can't sleep. I'm having these horrible dreams, whatever, whatever. The therapist might say something like, oh, well, this is pretty common in people who were sexually abused as children. So they would implant this thought. Like, does that sound like something that maybe would have happened to you? From there, they're like, well, maybe, maybe, I think. And he's like, well, in my studies, I found that so-and-so, if somebody was sexually abused as a child, or in this case, ritualistically abused, they have these symptoms. Like, are you exhibiting these symptoms? Do you feel this way? As a matter of fact, I do. And then it would just slowly roll out into these stories that never happened. They implanted these false memories, which is what the mall study was actually trying to do. They were proving that that can happen really easily. Yeah. This was going on really all across North America and then other parts of the world. Families were being destroyed in the process because once people develop these memories, they then accused their family members or or other relatives uh, or other former neighbors or former teachers, former anybody. And that's 25% of the population Mm -hmm. that is susceptible to false memories. And it happens so regularly. She's got just so many like essays and projects and studies that she's done that all prove time and time again just how soft our memories really are. She has pretty much debunked the use of eyewitness testimonies. I mean, it's just not... We still use them, obviously, but they're not nearly uh, held to the the rank or whatever that they used the to degree. be. degree. Yeah, they're not nearly as elevated. Set in stone yeah. as they used to be. Yeah, she, she really changed the face of the way we treat memory. And she had something, we're not going to get into it right now, but she was involved in what they call the memory wars in the yeah. 80s and 90s, which was the infighting of therapists who were half saying, yes, MPD and memories regression is real. And the other half saying, what the hell are you talking about? Your studies are stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Round one. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get ready to rumble. She does some stuff on hypnosis too. Hypnosis is really interesting. I didn't really know a lot about it before going into this. It is real in the sense that if someone is susceptible to hypnosis and they believe it when they go under, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. what they're really doing is allowing the therapist or the hypnotizer to change the way that they think. Mm -hmm. It's not like there you say, you're going to be a chicken now when I snap my fingers (laughs) and then they wake up and they're like, it's more like if you're impressionable and you want to believe, mm-hmm. then you're more likely to be susceptible to yeah. the suggestions that the hypnotizer gives you. Hmm. So if you are a believer already and they put you under a hypnosis yeah. and tell you that they're dredging up false memories, then you're more likely to fill those memories in. Uh, Which is why hypnosis does work for people who are like... Like a Mad Lib. Yeah. <laughs> Hypnosis Adjective. is <laughs> Noun. Danny. <laughs> but 
well, the hypnosis does work for people who are like trying to quit smoking and stuff. If they believe that it works and they want it to work, yeah. then it can work. One time in college, I magic. Went, went to an R-rated hypnotist show. They came to our campus. Really? And they brought people up on the <laughs> on the, the stage. <laughs> one one guy on the stage, every time he said the word, the hypnotist said the word sassafras, he would hump the chair. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it? And he did so it. So this guy. Yeah. Like did every it. single he just, time. He, was just he hypnotized like a whole line of people. And like this one girl like started to take off all of her clothes and he was like no 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 it was funny because he did two shows he did like a family friendly one and then an r-rated one and i was like oh uh hell no i'm going to the r-rated yeah, one obviously why would you not <laughs> i want to see some boobies but did you want to see boobies you know <laughs> to put it a little more concisely uh Hypnotic behaviors are the result of highly motivated, goal-directed social behavior. They're not altered or unique states of consciousness. No. So if someone has a reason to believe, they will choose to believe. Yeah. But they're not like magically hypnotized. Interesting. So it does work. Yeah. So that's why the hypnotization in these did work was because they were wanted to believe. Yeah. It's the confirmation bias again. Like they are looking for false memories. And so... When they're under, when they're sedated, mm. they're going to fill those in. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. I really didn't know anything about hypnotization before this. I always thought it was kind of silly, but it's kind of cool. I mean, if you want to use it for... What I've seen, I, I just like the act of hypnotism always kind mm -hmm. of has really intrigued me. I don't know how. I've never been hypnotized, but I mean, people actually do go into a weird state. I don't you know yeah it's that susceptibility though but Again, it's not it's a true and it's not be... a true state mm -mm. it's not like you're in this magical realm now well, that anything is yeah and that anything that anybody tells you is like set in stone for the rest of your life yeah. it's like you're just kind of in a weird like dissociative your brain state. is still working it's, yeah it's not like and you're you chosen to enter it even if it is a subconscious yeah. choice and if you decide something in that state it doesn't necessarily mean it's real exactly which is how a lot of these people got so effed they yeah. you know they trusted it's like you were saying before they trusted their therapists yeah. they let them be led into it and then they just kind of stayed in it yeah like michelle yeah and she well, married her well do you want to talk about the repercussions of michelle remembers like what actually came out of it like the like how it's not real oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> we never said that it was ever debunked <laughs> so it's or been debunked <laughs> michelle remembers much like sybil and pretty much everything else from that era has been professionally debunked by people looking into it and just doing basic research yeah the ba most basic of all research like in the book they described a really horrific car accident that had happened to her and so simply someone just looked up where that car accident had supposedly happened and they're like, that didn't actually there is happen. no car accident there. <laughs> Little stuff like that. It just was 100% debunked. Testimonies from neighbors about various things that are mentioned in the book. Testimonies from the local church. Mm -hmm. The parents just absolutely denial. And I mean, not just like your typical denial, but just like horrified and shocked that their little girl could accuse them mm -hmm. of things that 
were so clearly not true or had never and happened. Re- and researchable. It's yeah. like, do you think you could publish this book and naming all these facts that had happened and someone wasn't going to just look it up? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> that took like it took 15 years for that to happen, though. I mean, this book came out in 1980 and it wasn't until about 1990 that people started to be like wait a minute uh, <laughs> hang on so they did get away with it for a long time i guess I mean, google wasn't around i couldn't have just been like let me check her instagram me, yeah <laughs> that's true you did have to go Michelle. through a lot more it uh, says here on her instagram that she was having brunch with yeah. her girlfriend not being right by the devil there is this just crazy quote here that we're gonna read too from lawrence pazder The Mail on Sunday, which was a newspaper, asked Pazder, does it matter if it was true or is the fact that Michelle believed it happened to her the most important thing? And his reply is, if you talk to Michelle today, she will say, that's what I remember. For her, it was very real. But in the end, it doesn't matter. And also, if you like if you does. write me a check <laughs> yes. for that long therapy. And then if you marry me, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, how can he say that in the end? It doesn't matter. It That's literally what, that's all that matters. And you published a book and said that it was true. And you, yeah, accused so many people of just these <laughs> horrific crimes. I just can't wrap my brain around the sheer Ugh. total lack of empathy or the lack of caring Awareness. social responsibility. <laughs> Cameron and I were we were so curious about why these therapists were doing what they were doing. So we we might I don't even remember if we addressed it before or not. We were talking about like fame being one factor of it. And Elizabeth Loftus believes that the beliefs of these victims is bolstered by mental health professionals who believe it themselves. I don't know that these people were trying to ruin anyone's lives, but they did. And I feel like they need to be held accountable. Yeah. I don't think they were thinking that far. They were looking at the paycheck and the fame from a book. And the self-proclaimed expertise. I mean, it's what's better than to say that you're an expert in your field. Mm -hmm. She talked a lot about that, too. It's like all these people who were claimed experts who, after Dr. Pazder wrote Michelle Remembers, he became really famous and actually commented on a lot of these upcoming cases Mm -hmm. even after that. Yeah. We'll talk about the McMartin Preschool in a later episode, but he actually was like an expert on satanic ritual abuse that they brought on to talk about that case. And it's like he completely fabricated that entire book. It's yeah. like, why is he, he he's now the ac- expert I know, that we it's trust? It's crazy that these people basically could just write a book and then they were just experts. And mm-hmm. Not even a good book. That shit is so stupid. Yeah, it's corny. <laughs> it's it's like, corny as hell. If you got... you. If you Pick wanna... up a coffee. It It's worth reading. It's pretty hilarious. It's like if Fifty Shades of Grey were like supposed to be true. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. So if you're in the mood for a good romance novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Oh, God. Covered yeah. Michelle and then we moved into Elizabeth Leftis. She's kind of our, the guiding light in all of this. She really, really is. She was a voice of reason among a lot of insanity. So next week, we're going to be talking to you about one of my favorite people, Mike Warnke. Mike Warnke. He is this super fun comedian that came forward as an ex-high priest of Satanism. So Michelle Remembers is the victim side of it. And Mike Warnke is saying that he was part of it. Yeah. And it actually uh, interesting. He His book, The Satan Seller, actually came out the same year that Michelle Remembers came out. Mm-hmm. So it was all 
all intertwined and in the media full force. So <laughs> he's a good next step. So you'll hear all about Mike Warnke next week. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, guys. Thanks for joining us at the Satanic Panic. And the take-home message from all this is that just because somebody tells you something with a lot of detail and confidence and emotion, it doesn't mean that it really happened. Visit us online at satanicpanicpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at satanicpanicpodcast. Special thanks to Stephen S. for providing the artwork and Eric Z. for providing the equipment. Theme music to our show is provided by Free Music Archive and the song is Night Owl by Broke for Free. Thanks for tuning in. Hail Satan. Satan.